1: head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. Today we're going to talk about tubal contribution to infertility. IVF was originally designed back in the 70s for women whose tubes were blocked. The concept of the scientist was that since the tubes were blocked and tubal surgery to repair tubes was so appalling in its results that by taking an egg and a sperm, taking them outside the body to create an embryo and then putting it back through the neck of the womb would bypass the pathology that was causing the infertility. That was the rationale of IVF. Obviously, in the 40 years since then, it's being used for a far wider range of indications. So, why do tubes get blocked? Well, there is a rare situation where genetically congenital abnormalities occur where tubes don't form properly. That's incredibly rare. More likely infections. So these are usually sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia or gonorrhea and those infections like the environment of the fallopian tube cause inflammation, adhesion formation and therefore blockage. The surgery to correct those blockages is actually uh, very unsuccessful because The tube is not just a piece of drain pipe with an egg dropping in and a a sperm swimming its way up. It actually has a whole range of nutritional essentials for the nurture of the growth of the egg, the final maturation of the egg, the final maturation of the sperm, an environment where fertilization can occur. And then for four or five days, the actual embryo is growing within the fallopian tube and it needs all those nutrients to make it happen. So while you may be able to cut out the segment of tube that is blocked and like we might do on a drain pipe, when we join the ends together we di- we're not getting back a normal process, a normal environment for the embryo. So tubal surgery has really dropped out of the armamentarian of most gynecologists. Indeed the only tubal surgery really that is done these days is for minor adhesions or women who've been sterilized with clips and by removing the clips and joining the two ends together we can get quite good return of patency and function because only a small part of the tube was ever damaged. The other cause of tubal blockage that is relatively common is endometriosis. So with endometriosis which we have discussed in other programs the end point of the bleeding and scar tissue that forms with the endometriotic tissue bleeding on a monthly basis is the blockage of tubes and the formation of adhesions throughout the pelvis. Again removal of endometriosis and those adhesions does not result in in very many pregnancies. And certainly, in both situations, tubal surgery is associated with high levels of ectopic pregnancy, which is not totally surprising that if you can restore the patency of the tube and an embryo is created, its movement down the fallopian tube uh, may be impaired by the loss of function of the tube. So how do we diagnose whether the tubes are patent or not. There are three methods that are in current use. Most people would still believe the gold standard is to do keyhole surgery and look at the fallopian tubes from the outside. And then from down below, with a tube in the neck of the womb, inject blue dye up through the uterus. And then with the telescope above, watch the blue dye come out of the ends of the fallopian tubes. That is absolute proof that the tubes are patent. The other advantage of keyhole surgery is you can see other pathologies like endometriosis, and you can treat it at the time. We also may see ovarian cysts or fibroids on the uterus. So that's the gold standard, but obviously that requires admission to hospital, day surgery with its costs and probably two or three at least and maybe a week off work. So not necessarily the right thing to do as an initial investigation. Some specialists do believe that there is value in doing it first because you then are certain about where you're going in terms of tubal patency and endometriosis. The European guidelines say that A laparoscopy really should only be done when there are symptoms suggestive of potential endometriosis or pelvic infection. So the other options are outpatient procedures where dye is flushed up through the neck of the womb, into the uterus and out through the fallopian tubes. One uses ultrasound to watch that occur and the other uses radio-opaque dye and x-rays to do that procedure. Which one's better? That's still debatable. I have to confess that I've done the x-ray version called a hysterosalpingogram HSG for the last 40 years, and I still believe it is the preferable approach. The reason is that when you have an x-ray done, a picture is taken with the dye going down the fallopian tubes, I can see that when you bring the pictures back to me in my consulting rooms. I can see the tubes are patent, and if they're not patent, I can see where the blockage is. I can also see the shape of the womb, I know it's there. With ultrasound, they squirt up through the neck of the womb a fluid that contains basically bubbles which are seen by the ultrasound waves as they pass into the abdominal cavity. But it's not hard copy that you can see afterwards. Even the pictures they might take difficult to interpret except for the expert ultrasonographer. So you're taking that one person's word that they saw it happen. Indeed, even one of the specialised women's health ultrasound practices still only says presumed patency rather than guaranteed patency so the choice between the two is really dependent on the doctors the scientific evidence comparing the two suggests there's probably no difference the other way using x-rays and ultrasound that has been suggested because of its capacity possibly to increase pregnancy rates by flushing through the tubes is using a substance called lopiodol so this is a contrast media which contains iodine so you can see it on an x-ray but it has a high amount of lipid so it's a sticky horrible stuff but when injected through the tubes may break down the any minor adhesions or mucous blockages um, better than an HSG or a hycosy there is data to suggest that's true however On the downside of using Lepidol, the cost per patient is over $500 and and is not covered by your private health insurance or, or Medicare. Secondly, and more disturbingly, because it contains a lot of iodine that hangs around a long time, a percentage of patients actually get changes in their thyroid function tests for up to some months, which when you're trying to get pregnant is not a good thing. So... Personally, I don't see a major advantage in using Lepidol. In some data that we pulled out from our own experience, we did show that either cozy or an HSG did improve pregnancy rates in the three months subsequent to the procedure demonstrating the tubes were open. So in patients who had had more than 12 months of infertility without any other cause and in whom tubal patency was demonstrated by the procedure, the pregnancy rate over the next two months was 23 and 24%, basically no difference between the two. But that's a a significant jump from doing nothing, where the pregnancy rates would only be in the order of 5% in that time frame after 12 months of trying. So it is important to have the tubes tested, and it may be therapeutic. Indeed, Two of my three children were conceived in the month after my wife undertook tubal patency testing uh, when we were having trouble getting a baby. So, tubal patency is an essential part of workup in an infertile couple and may improve pregnancy rates. Which way you go is dependent predominantly on your doctor. Discuss it with them. Be armed with what I've told you so you can ask the right questions. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu.